We will now be reading from Luke 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Well, good day, everybody. Nice to see you. My name is Paul. It's going to be my pleasure to be able to spend a couple of moments now discussing that part of God's word. But before we do that, why don't we pray that God would help us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you that you are a speaking God. But now, Lord, we do pray that you would give us the ears to hear your word and the hearts and the minds to obey. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here's a question for you. Are you winning? Are you winning at life? Would you consider yourself a successful person? Someone's very confident. That's good. And again, I think that in a, in a room this big with this many people, there'd be some that would say, well, look, with all modesty, uh, I think I am successful. Uh, it might be in study. You know, you smashed that maths test last week. Um, might be in sport. You know, you've got all the trophies lined up there in your bedroom. Perhaps you're doing well at work. Now that new contract. Maybe you're just really good socially, and that's great. But there'll be some at the other end of the spectrum, won't there? Where things aren't so good. Where your confidence maybe is at rock bottom. Now thankfully, I think there's probably nobody here at either extreme at either extreme of success or failure. All of us, I reckon, are just sort of mucking around somewhere in the middle. Sometimes we are winning, things are going well. But other times, things are not so great. But here's the question. What, in your mind, makes success? What is success in your point of view? And what is success in God's eyes? And that comes before us, I think, tonight in the Bible passage that we just had read. A man who from every point of view would have been considered a success and yet God's judgment on him was he was a failure. A dismal failure. Have a look again at verse 20 here on the screen. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. 
You fool. Ouch. But a bit worse than that. What a brutal summation of this man's life. I live just a few blocks from uh, Warrenora Cemetery and most afternoons I'll take the dog for a walk through the gardens there. And each day we'll be passing by grave after grave after grave. And the epitaph inscribed on the headstone is like the final public statement on these people's lives. Beloved wife, loving father, dearest grandma. Well, God writes on this man's headstone, fool. That's hard to take. The word in the original Greek actually literally means without thought. But as you read that passage, did you hear? Actually, the man did think. He think a lot. He thought and he thought and he thought. It's just that he didn't think about the right things, the really important things in life. So he had daydreams. He had nightmares. He was planning for one, avoiding the other but he didn't think about the right thing. So I wonder if we can see in this passage the things that constitute success and failure in God's eyes. You see, just before the passage that we've got read tonight, vast crowds had been swarming to Jesus and he was teaching the disciples about eternity, about God's ultimate authority to judge, about being acknowledged before the angels of heaven, about not being anxious but trusting God who knows you and will teach you by the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly, Jesus is rudely interrupted. Verse 13, here on the screen. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I guess you could paraphrase it like this. Okay, teacher, it's all well and good. But can we move on now from the spiritual stuff um, that doesn't put bread on the table? I've got an urgent problem. Get my wretched brother to divide the inheritance with me. The Son of God is in their midst teaching and they're arguing over a will about who's going to get Granny's antique furniture. This man's so absorbed with possessions He can't hear Jesus speaking. And so we get the solemn warning in verse 15. Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Watch out. Look out. Be on your guard against what? against all kinds of greed. Be on your guard because greed is sneaky. It's like a stealth sin. It'll creep up on you before you know it. And just think about all the other sins in the Ten Commandments for a second. You know, you know when you're committing all of those sins. You know if you're committing adultery. It's not like you say, oh, hang on, you're not my wife. It's not like you say that. You know you're committing sin. You know when you're stealing, when you're killing, when you're lying. It's obvious. 
But it's hard to know when you're greedy. Because, you know, we start comparing ourselves with others and as a range of people, what was once a luxury item now might become a necessity. So watch out. Be in your guard against greed because life is so much more, so much more than having an abundance of possessions. Life is more than stuff. And so Jesus continues with a parable. We've been looking at, we're going to be looking at various parables as they come this, as in the coming weeks, essentially an everyday story with a spiritual cutting edge. Verse 16, in a short line, the scene is set. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. We're introduced to a rich man, a picture of financial success. Uh, he's most likely got uh, a property portfolio, a nice house maybe on the harbour, a country farm, perhaps a couple of weekenders, one in a quiet coastal town, another maybe a chalet in the ski fields. He has a fleet of uh, luxury chariots in his sprawling garage. His wife shops at only the most boutique outlets, making sure she rotates her wardrobe every season so that we can have all the leftovers to the queue sale. His kids are in the most prestigious of schools. And people look on, and what do they see? A success. And they think, if only, if only I could be like him. And then we're told, things have just gotten better. His farm has yielded an abundant harvest. Money upon money. It, goes crazy, it gets quite crazy when you see rich people um, compounding their wealth and compounding their wealth to the point where it's becoming mind-boggling. Elon Musk, you've probably heard of Elon Musk, arguably uh, the richest person in the world. Now, reports vary as to how much he actually earns and how much he's worth, but it's all a bit mind-boggling. Um, one estimation I read was that he makes, get this, $46 million a day. That is $536 a second. <laughs> that means he could drop $500 on the ground. It's not worth turning around to pick it up. You just keep going. Now, don't get jealous. Greed is sneaky. Now, the man in our story may not be that wealthy, but now he has riches compounding upon riches. And so we read on. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. No panic. There's no waste. Gets out his calculator. He works out um, it's worth upgrading the silos. Waste not, want not. That's what his mum taught him. Um, it's a bigger profit, and so he's not going to make sure that the tax man doesn't get it. So he calls his accountant and he starts crunching the numbers. <coughs> and then having worked and planned and thought and worked and planned and thought, he arrives at verse 19 on the screen. 
And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. It all boils down to an early retirement for our rich man. No doubt the Sunday papers would do a feature on how well he's done. Everyone in suburbia would be flicking through their Good Weekend magazine and they'd read the article and they'd say, wow, so successful, so wise. Now he can go and practice playing golf at all those exclusive golf courses. I guess he's got time to work on his handicap. And as he hosts a retirement party, everyone is praising his success. <coughs> I've got another 20 years to work before I can retire and you're already there in your mid-40s. And in the quiet, after everyone's gone, he's standing there with a glass of champagne and he's looking out at his yacht on the bay and he looks back and there's his wonderful house that he's built and he looks down on the side table there, the brochures for the European holiday, the African safari, and he looks around and asks himself, and thinks to himself, you've done it. You've done it. It's time to retire early, take life easy, and look forward to many years of leisure. <coughs> and then there's suddenly a searing pain in his chest, and he drops dead on the spot. Verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Friends, verse 20 should be a brutal shock to our system. It's a devastating summation of this man's life. The memorial service might speak of his loyal service and his financial success. But God says, you fool. His life was not a success. It was a failure. Because failure is being successful at things that don't matter. I'll say that again. Failure is being successful at things that don't matter. There's more to life than stuff. Well, this, this parable tells us two fatal uh, mistakes this man made in terms of success. How was it that he actually mucked up according to God? Well, the first mistake was this, that he lived as though God wasn't there. We actually don't know too much about this guy, <clears throat> whether he was a good husband or not, whether he was a good father or ignored his children. All we know is verse 21 <coughs> on the screen. Um, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, you can understand this verse uh, to be highlighting the man's stinginess towards God, perhaps. You know, the problem was that he forgot to go down to the temple and put some money in the offertory box uh, at the temple. He was very good at hoarding his wealth, but he didn't give his money to God. So is that how we're to apply this passage? Make sure you remember to give. Well, no. It's not the right way to understand it. This man had an even bigger problem than that. 
Have a look at verse, at verse 17 and 18 again here on the screen. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. He thought to himself, what shall I do? Thanks, Dave. Um, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. Do you see the problem? He was thoroughly self-reliant, utterly self-centred. His big failure was that he lived as though God wasn't there. Friends, there's nothing inherently sinful about money, whether you've got a lot or not much. In both cases, we can ignore God. But with great wealth comes the great temptation to become self-reliant. It's easy to put God on the back burner or to even ignore God altogether. That's what he was thinking. I don't need God. I've made it. And God says, you fool. How foolish it is to live as if God is not there. Friends, how foolish it is to live as if God is not here. He is here. Do you acknowledge him? And more than that, are we thankful to our generous God who gives us everything? Or do we find ourselves taking all the gifts of fun, family, friends, food and fitness, but then forget, forget the giver? Indeed, we can be tempted to think that we produce our own wealth. There's warnings against proud self-sufficiency all through the scripture. Have a look here in the example in Deuteronomy I've got here on the screen for us. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. <clears throat> so there's the first big failure. The rich fool lived as if there was no God. And the second failure was this. He lived as if there was no judgment to come. You see, this guy lived as though he had so much time. You see that when we look at verse 19 again here on the screen. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But actually this guy was fresh out of time. That very night his life was demanded and he gets plunged into eternity. He had a framework for living, but it didn't include his dying. He had made thorough preparations for a life of pleasure and self-sufficiency, but had he given any thought about how he would meet God? What had he done with the life that God had given him? Well, he had stockpiled wealth, he built a great property portfolio, he provided for his family all the trimmings of affluence, but had any thought, any thought at all, gone into preparations for eternity? The energy put into a relationship with God who gave him all that wealth? Well, no. Ultimately, he had been very successful at the things that didn't matter. And so 
He was a failure. Well, this parable is a sober wake-up call. But the clock's ticking for all of us, isn't it? As we grow older, time seems to go by faster and faster. Isn't that true? Now there'll come a time when you'll bend down to do up your shoelaces and you'll think, now what else can I do while I'm down here? (laughs) Maybe you know that feeling already. (coughs) God is warning us in this parable that there is a judgment to come when our lives will be demanded from us. And brothers and sisters, I just want to say this. That's a great thing. Because it means that how I treat you, how you treat me, how we treat the world, well, it matters to God. We don't need to make excuses for the judgment to come. It proves that God is good. He cares passionately about this world. He cares about how you're treated and how I'm treated, how the world's treated. And he's stepped into this broken world to bring you life. As Jesus spoke this parable, he was heading resolutely to Jerusalem where he would die on a cross so that you and I can be forgiven. So yes, there is a judgment to come. It is coming. But Jesus has come already so that you can be forgiven. And he walks off the pages of scripture and into your heart so that you can be with him for eternity. Friends, working on our relationship with God, that's what matters. Seeking first his kingdom is what matters. You know, I don't think God wants to call any of us fools. I'm sure it pains his heart. That's why he sent his son, so that we can be in friendship with him, to have our eyes open, to know what really matters. And so as we read this short parable today we're warned we're warned by a fool who lived as if there was no god and there was no judgment which led to his failure of being successful at things that didn't really matter why don't we close in prayer that we don't make the same mistake let's pray but god said to him you fool Oh, Father God, we do thank you for the warnings in Scripture. We admit that we often forget you and get tangled up in the things that don't matter. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus so that we can be forgiven and be in eternal friendship with you. Lord, please help us to have hearts, minds and hands that are devoted to serving you and your people now and as we look forward to the eternal life to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.